of losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. Now let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. So before we start, first of all, I'm flattered. Thank you. And you know that Roland, who's really articulate, isn't here. And I'll tell you that because, because I told your colleague, I'm usually a good interview because I've done a multi. You may not know much about my career. You could ask me or not. It's very vast. No, no, very- I love this actually because I actually wanted to, my ideal to my producer was to interview you separately and hey. Roland separately because we've had similar people that we know and our paths intersect. Oh, really? So I've followed you for years. Okay, great. And um, I followed him and it was largely during COVID, I spent a lot of time on Clubhouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Brian was. And Brian was there every night. And um, I don't know why, but the high level personalities, I mean, these were people with some of the most successful businesses in the country. Why they want to spend five hours a day doing that? Well, I have a theory. Please, what do you think it is? It was one of the greatest social experiments ever. You had very high level verified in the the beginning in the beginning multi-millionaires chatting at 2 a.m yeah even after it began to fizzle a little bit we would have like ross cohen this was in 2021 even who's had a like a nine-figure exit within people who were of you know negative net worth the beauty of of clubhouse was you could have you could be in a room with like Tony Robbins, Elon Musk, <laughs> yes. and like the clerk at, you know, the, the convenience yeah, store. Yes, I agree. And it had nothing to do with status or money, but everything to do with the articulation of your voice and your ability to connect on kind of a visceral level. That's interesting. So it was and almost like a social experiment of like going back to high school. That's so fascinating. I think you're probably on point. He also, you got... Do we want to record this? This would be fun, actually. Yeah, we got to record. We're going to record. And if if necessary, because you're going to be more fun. I don't know if you'd be a dick or not. You're fun. And I I can stretch it. I said I have a 315, but I'll make yeah, that's it fun. But let me tell you, I just came back. If you've studied me, I I just came back from doing a three-hour keynote, and all it was was a fireside chat. They asked me about my methodology, my background. I got there, my life views. But I mean, if you want to talk just about the book, I'm game. My wife used to be on Clubhouse. She got really shocked because it got pretty volatile. Now she's all over Twitter spaces. Wow. So we play pickleball four hours and on Twitter spaces four hours. That's how she consumes now that all my children are grown. It's rather fascinating. Well, yeah. Do you want me to go on Twitter spaces now? I'm not really big on Twitter spaces, but I, I don't go on it at all. But uh, but she's on it all the time. And it's it's very interesting. I mean, I don't want to get into uh, uh, politicizing or talking about, uh, you know, the the, the tragedy of, of civilization trying to self-destruct. But 
it's a really interesting time in our lives. Do you have children? Yeah, seven. Okay, I have seven also, but I probably, I don't know about you, mine aren't from the same wife. Uh, yeah, people always ask me that. All right, so you have the same the, wife? The same wife, yeah. That's great. God, God bless you. How old are they? Uh, two through 15. Wow. So I have them literally uh, 28 to 55. And by the way, if you're just joining us, I'm Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. We are with a legend, Jay Abraham. He's called the $21.7 billion man, highest paid marketing consultant, a proven business leader, CEO of the Abraham Group. I followed his career for, for many years, and so it's a real treat to have him on. And uh, go ahead, Jay. We were actually talking before the interview and had so much fun. Yeah, so we're like, let's roll it. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about our world, but I'm here for you. I'm here for your your audience and uh, any perspective, any insights, any uh, fun stories I can share that will animate their spirit uh, on possibility or or economic in, increases or just how to enjoy the process of living. Ask away and I'll do the very best I can, Josh. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You, you, you're intriguing to me. That's great. So what is your wife's Twitter handle? Okay. What's your wife's name? Christy Abraham. Okay, if you want to, I'll follow her on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, she's a really interesting woman, very bright, and she's really into geopolitics <laughs> at a very big level. So very interesting. She comes from a psychology background, so she's always trying to understand the motives, the motivations, the drivers of everybody's perspective and, you know, pro, con, response. Very fascinating when she analyzes it. It's, I, I'm not a sports person, but I always get a kick out of watching when there's play-by-play and color. If you don't understand it, it's profoundly revealing when you see how somebody sees an activity, an event, an, an occurrence from a, from a, a sort of a, a more of a CAT scan, integrative perspective. And if you don't, it's profoundly interesting. Wow. We're with Jay Abraham. We were talking about Twitter spaces and the phenomenon of Clubhouse. Clubhouse basically yeah. died and, yes. and died a slow death. And we had mutual friends and uh, acquaintances. And it was funny how Clubhouse was like a social experiment. And he was saying, hey, my wife loved Twitter spaces back in the day. Or, yeah. or now, kind of Twitter Spaces has replaced Clubhouse. And it was sort of like a social experiment. So there's a lot we're going to talk about. We'll talk about your new book, Business Wealth Without Risk. Your co-host, which you wrote with Roland, Jane Roland, are a formidable duo in the world of business strategy. So we'll hopefully get to interview him as well. So we got a lot. I got a ton that I want to ask you about. And it'll kind Absolutely. of dovetail. I am here for you, my so, friend. Business Wealth Without Risk, great book. I've heard of Roland also from Clubhouse because we had mutual friends on there. Yes. And he had a fascinating like thesis on the, the new way to wealth is to just buy old boomers' businesses. That is right. Yeah. I, I, and I don't know if he got that from you or if that's his own shtick, but that was a brilliant idea. I heard him talk one time about how the greatest wealth building opportunity in the next generation is buying good businesses, yes. the HVAC person, the dry cleaner. Touche. 
And, yeah, you want me to give you the context? Yeah, because I thought that was a brilliant observation. He is, and he is a brilliant. Sorry, yeah, he's not with us. I, I don't mean that dead. He's just not present today. <laughs> and, but and, and if he were, he would blow your mind. Very, very intellectually stimulating guy. But here's the premise, and it really resonated with me. So Roland comes from a world of understanding what I'll call pop m a how to buy businesses, sell businesses, exit for significant paydays. I come from the world of blowing up profits, EBITDA, without uh, increasing investment or risk. Uh, he and I have known each other for quite a while, and he's done so much work in buying and selling. And I've done so much work, and this is not meant to be arrogant, but that mantle of the 21, we're up to about $100 billion of documented profit increases worldwide from the methodology, and not from me necessarily, but from the methodology. So he and I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we collaborated on a book that would teach people, number one, a more a safer, more a result probable, and a far more lucrative way to create either the income or wealth of a lifetime every three to five years, which is the sub-premise, and we thought, okay, you know, Roland knows all about all the ways to find, fund all these companies and also how to create what we call an epic exit for a monster payday. But I know, Josh, of like 97 categories of how to blow up profit EBITDA for no other investment or risk just by using your time, effort, asset, uh, people, capital, human capital, access, leads, prospects, distribution channels, salespeople, far more powerfully. And so we collaborated on this really cool 447 page. It's a monster book. It's very rich with content explanation. It's not teasery or superficiality. We got Tony Robbins because he's I've, I've counseled him and, and collaborated with him for 30 some years. He wrote a five page forward, which is quite profound. We got Damon John, who I also have had the privilege of mentoring to do a three page intro. And then we got a guy named Gino Wickman, who is known uh, in, in the business circles for he created something called EOS Entrepreneurs Operating System to write the preface. It's a really interesting book, and I'll give you the premise if you want, but I don't want to predominate. I want to respect you asking me questions, but it has a very profoundly uh, exciting premise that you can tell me if you want me to go on or you yeah, want to go do- ahead. Yeah, I and then I have some other interesting questions, and you want to stay tuned because Jay is like the Tony Robbins before there was Tony Robbins, or kind of came in that genre, Mark Victor Hansen and. <laughs> all, all of those guys. So I want to kind of ask you some, some of the dirty. Yeah, yeah, I go back many cycles, and I've been uh, helping people grow their business and and penetrate new markets and create more profits for decades. So, so the premise is really simple, and it resonated with me as well. There's two parallel universes here. One is if you're going to start a business from scratch, and a lot of people right now are contemplating it either for increased income or to replace transition or because they're worried they're going to be outplaced by AI or they already have or whatever. But the grim truth, Josh, is that the success rate of a startup is one in 20 in year one and approximately one in 10 in year five. So you got a 5% probability in year one of it working and you got a 10% of staying in business after five years. And if you're at an age where you want to do it and probably your audience, and that's speculative as heck. It's dangerous. And the probability of an outcome being what you want is very negative. 
Conversely, there are millions of businesses out there that have already broken through that one-year, five-year barrier. They're profitable, maybe not as much as they could be. They're underperforming their potential. A lot of the owners are baby boomers who are very tired. Many, many surprisingly percent of the businesses out there never sell. People don't know what to do and they close and their kids don't want them. You can get control of them much more strategically than you think. Roland has identified, I think he's got 208 ways to finance a business. Only a couple of them are what you call owner carry, like the, the kind of stuff people would teach you in creative real estate. But he's got all kinds of ways to get other people who have an incentive to put up the money. He's got ways to do it where there's no downside risk because you're not risking your own you're not personally guaranteeing it. And then I've got 97 different ways to take that business and make it massively more profitable. And then when you get it up, when you get it more profitable, it also normally will dramatically multiply its revenue. And when you do those two things together without getting too complex, you raise it to a much higher value, both on revenue and multiple. You can get control of it for almost nothing out of pocket you can blow up the income relatively fast for really no major investment or risk. You get cash flow, you get income, you get a much more valuable asset. Every three to five years, you sell it for many times what you paid for it, even though you didn't necessarily have to put money up. And that could be the income you would earn in 20 years working, and then you rinse and repeat. So that's premise one. Premise two, which is more in my bailiwick, because I spend my whole life helping operating businesses take whatever they are, wherever they are, and increase it, multiply it, expand it, and enhance it, is that if you own a business, why be content to grow it merely through masterful or, or at least through competent marketing, selling? doing what everybody else does, but maybe a little better, when concurrently, you can acquire businesses very creatively, very low risk, competitive, so you're overlapping and you're getting the economies of scale to work, you're eliminating duplicative functions, so you can make a marginal business much more profitable and get all kinds of expanded buyers or products. Or you buy, this is where I really come uh, very alive, you buy products or services that people would purchase before, during, or after they buy your product or service. And then the next thing I'm going to say is mind-blowing, or you buy what they would buy instead. Give you an example. Let's say that you were <clears throat> buying or you owned a company that sold a, a supplement. Let's make it real interesting. A supplement for weight loss. So uh, you, you have to realize two things. People that buy a supplement probably average when they take it for four months and then they stop. And during that four months, they're not going to most likely dramatically change their diet or exercise anymore. Or they inquire about it and don't buy it. When they stop, or even before they stop, they very frequently do lots of other things. But when they stop, they're still usually heavy. And now they're going to pursue the next a shiny object for weight loss. They might get another supplement. They might buy portion control food like Jenny Craig. They might get a, a private trainer, a virtual trainer, recipe book, equipment. You can compete against yourself and you can double, redouble, redouble again the value called lifetime value 
of the prospect you get that didn't buy from you or even the buyer you got that stopped buying from you. And so that's really cool. But by blowing all this up, you create enormously enhanced wealth. Now, it may not be billion-dollar wealth, but it is frequently, if you execute reasonably, not not you don't have to be a you know a, a scientist and execute with precision. But as long as you follow the methodology, you can achieve outcomes so bigger than anything else that you probably could do with your time, your effort, your opportunity, and, and your capital. And it's very stimulating. Another thing, and this is laughably, and it's so self-evident, you can acquire access vehicles. For example, if this was a podcast and not the radio show for a major radio station, and you deliver an audience that is ripe to want to do this, and let's say that I sold, I was a business broker, I was somebody that was in a, in a service business to benefit from this I could buy your podcast and your podcast would be worth something, but a fraction of what it would be worth to you is it's worth infinitely more to me as an access vehicle. You could buy podcasts, you could buy media, you can buy discussion groups that have very little value, but they have massive strategic value. Or one more thing, and then I'll stop because pretty exciting. You can buy products that people buy before just because they will give you a preemptive access. So let's say that everyone is competing, selling, whatever it is. If a lot of people buy something else more modest right before that, but none of your competitors even get that. So they don't even think to own that kind of a prefacing. Oh, product. yeah, yeah. We have that in our in my financial business. So how, how, many, how much cash do you have earning 0.01 at the bank? Yeah. So we offer through Fidelity, I'm the fastest growing Fidelity RA in the country, in our region of New Jersey. And we give away free check writing, free debit card. And by the way, you want preemptive access. You to can that have a money market that earns 5% hey. in 0 .01. It, it does, we don't earn anything, but it's a relationship. Yeah. Perfect. Is that what you mean? Something like that? Yeah, I don't know. yeah I'm just, but it's, you can take it to a much more strategic bet. Same thing with after. And here's where it gets really interesting. This gets into my, I'll use the word bailiwick. So if you acquire another product or service, it gives you many more advantages. The first advantage is just what I said. This is the business you'd acquire. It could be a lower priced product or even a product you freely make available. It gives you a way to get a lot more people to start a relationship. Or it could be a product that you package with whatever you sell, which might double or redouble or even double again the profit you generate per sale that the previous owner of the business. So maybe if we own a uh, registered investment advisory firm, maybe I should acquire an accounting firm because nobody's happy with their accountant yeah. relationship. I can then build a better accounting firm. And then that is a lower entry point. You're doing people's returns. But yeah, the problem I always find with this thing is, well, you got to find the people to do the grunt work. And, and some of these things are not easily. Yeah. It's, well, yeah one of the things and Rowan would speak better to this, because as I said, there's three parts to this book, finding them, blowing up the, the earning, and then an epic exit for a huge payday. The, the first and the third are his. Wait, the what's the first and the third? Find, acquire, fund the business. And the third is how to 
exit for a huge payday. That's his specialty. You're in the middle. I'm in the middle of how to make that exit worth a ton more money. I got gotcha. you. Through what? You you do it through systems, processes, intellectual property. Well, I, I've learned, I mean, if we can get into my body of work because it's pretty cool. I started out- Yeah, well, using, let's get into yours. Forget it. You know, we'll have yeah, more right, next time. Yeah, okay, good. All right, what do you want to know about mine? But I, I like the book. I like the book, though, premise, because- the reason why I was excited is I heard Roland speak. I've heard you, and it's like, oh, I want to get them both on. Yeah, they're hilarious together. So take my accounting thing as an example. Yes. I'm friends with, uh, you know, uh, Tom Wheelwright, who's the rich dad, poor dad accountant. We have him on a lot. Mm -hmm. So he's been able to elevate. So I guess this is what you do. You elevate people's perception of the business. Instead of them just doing, you know, 500 hour returns, they're doing $35,000 business consulting. Is that kind of what you mean by like you're extracting value? Let me try to give you better progressive context and it'll all, it, it'll uh, unfold with a lot of integrative clarity. Would, would that be better for you? Yeah, whatever you think's better. So- Maybe I should tell you my origin story because it's really interesting, but it's very illustrative of what we're going to yeah, do it. Yeah. So I got started early in my career and I did a product that's very prominent now, Icy Hot. And, and when we did Icy Hot, it was a learning experience for me. It was a very small, really underperforming little business. And we so were Icy Hot, the icy to dull the pain, hot to relax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but at the time, nobody knew what it was. It was a mail-order product, and we bought it almost in bankruptcy, and we were going to just use some of its products for something else. But we we did an analysis, and this starts with understanding what I was going to tell you about. We didn't realize it was a $3 product. It sold for $3, and we would send it by mail. But we found out, Josh, every time 10 people bought their first $3 jar, eight of them would buy a jar every month almost for life or until they died because it was very effective as a temporary relief for bursitis, arthritis, things like that. That wasn't the only thing we found. Of the eight, almost half would buy some other product from the catalog every time they purchased. And that wasn't the big discovery. Of the approximate uh, four, two of them would buy bulk every year. And the bottom line, and this is where most people don't understand, Every time we got 10 first-time $3 buyers, even though two never bought ever again, we averaged $50 profit per year per buyer, including the ones that didn't buy. And we had no marketing money, but my job was to go to radio stations, television stations like yours back then that had unsold time advertising and let them run ads for the product. And we just let them keep all the money because we didn't care because we also analyzed that half the people bought their second jar in the first 15 days after trying it. And we had great cash flow, but we were able doing that to build 500,000 buyers with no, no out of pocket. We created $150 million worth of advertising equivalent around the country. It was a mail order product when we started it, but it got so much demand that people would go to the grocery, their drugstore and ask for it. So it moved from a mail order to a, a consumer product, which made it worth another zero at the end. And it got sold for tens of millions of dollars, literally, literally about two years later. 
the acquiring company was a pharmaceutical company that had no interest in what we were, our approach. So we got to keep the 500,000 buyers to use them for other geriatric arthritic type things. We got to keep the 1,000 plus distribution channel and we did it again. The next thing I did was Entrepreneur Magazine. Many people know what that is today. I'll date myself. When we started, believe it or not, nobody knew what the word entrepreneur even meant. They didn't know what it meant. We had to send out envelopes that had the Webster's Dictionary literal definition and phonetic pronunciation. But Entrepreneur Magazine started as a membership. I'm going to show you how people make a lot of money just by seeing connections nobody else does. So it was a membership organization. You paid $100, you got some stuff, plaques on your wall, and every month you got a membership publication that had about a 20 to 30 page overview of one emerging small business opportunity. Haircut salons, uh, sub subway sandwich shops, uh, tune-up shops, oil change shops, yogurt shops. And we tell you lots of good things. First of all, who the big franchisers were, how to do it on your own, what the what the expense was, what the risk was, what the expected income was. And it was very good. But at the end of every month, it just went into archive and nothing happened to it. When I got there, they had 100 reports in archive. We took those reports, we turned them into startup manuals, meaning we just added to them what's called boilerplate, general stuff you need to know on how to hire people, how to do you know, shirt sleeve marketing with little budget, how to get used furniture, how to negotiate, how to find an attorney. And we turned them into $39 and $49 startup manuals. And in the first year, we had a million-dollar subscription business, but we sold about $8 million of these repurposed startup manuals that cost us nothing. Then we took, when we had a lot of them, then we aggregated them and we put 10 of them together it was called the, the Entrepreneur's Collection. It was all the low investment businesses or the food-based businesses or the exercise businesses. And we just used them over and over again. And we turned a $1 million company into a, about a nine in about a year. So I mean, it's just a couple of things you could do. But I mean, I learned 97 different categories for taking a business and getting far more performance out of everything it does on the revenue side, I'm all revenue-based, on the uh, everything it does, everywhere it does it. So, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody's got a revenue system. It's pretty simple, Josh. It doesn't matter what it is. I'll give you just an example. The, the most common is people have a revenue system that's totally reactive. They get most of their business from referrals or word of mouth. They don't have any, any money they spend. And that's really cool because it's an accolade to their their, you know, their credibility and the value that people see because they'll tell other people. But it's very, it's very unpredictable. It's erratic, it's episodic. Sometimes some days, months, you get a lot, a little. And yet, because I've worked, people don't know this, and you didn't ask me, but I'll tell you, I've worked in 1,000 plus industries over my my career, a thousand industries all over the world. And I've been able to look at all the kinds of drivers of these businesses, and we've extracted universal principles that could be applied anywhere. And one of them is referral systems. We found 124 different referral generating systems. And most people who get most or all of their business from word of mouth or referral don't even have one referral generating system in place that they adhere to all the time. They just sort of let the good hard work and the 
and, and the relationship generated. But if you put into play even three, even three systems, not 125, you can double, redouble, redouble again your referral business and a referral generated buyer buys quicker, negotiates less, buys more, buys more often, buys uh, larger units, it is far more enjoyable to deal with, refers more people and costs you nothing. And yet the same people that don't have a referral system, Josh, this is the outer periphery of the stuff I do, but I'm just trying to show you how to think differently. The same people that don't have a referral system will waste money on ads on uh, digital or social media, which is generating the most outer periphery of trust. And it's a very long, arduous process to convert those kind of prospects to buyers. And even the first time those, those external advertising generated people buy, they don't even have full trust. They're still tentative and apprehensive. Whereas if you concentrate on referral generation, Total trust, more profit, no cost, more enjoyable. And that's just one. I mean, I go on and on and on and on and on because, as I said, those are the outer ones. I, I understand how to take ads, make them better. Salespeople make them better. Distribution channels make them better. Leads convert better. Buyers to be more profitable. Inactive buyers to re, you know, use your, your distribution, your brand differently. Strategic alliance. I go on and on and on, but a lot of cool things. So we talked about referrals. So a business owner is listening right now, struggling to get referrals for their business. What would your first tip be? Well, if you want referrals, <laughs> then you make referral generation a priority. Every time somebody calls or comes in, the first thing you say is who referred you? And they'll say, well, either somebody or nobody. If it's nobody, you come back and you say, well, that's interesting. We are fast becoming a referral-based business, and we hope that if we do business with you and we over-serve you, we over-deliver, you too will refer like-minded quality people to us who could benefit, and you pre-program them the first time, and then you remind them, and then you help them find the people to refer. I'll give you a, a life example that's out of business, but it translates perfectly. Many years ago, I had a business that was the largest credit card generator in uh, our city. We did subscriptions for financial newsletters and we were very large. And the bank uh, manager where we put all our money took me to lunch every week. And she was a really hot looking divorcee. <laughs> and I enjoyed it because she paid and I got to look at her and she was very visually attractive. And every time we'd go to dinner or lunch, she would complain that she didn't get any dates. She was good looking. She was fun. She was, you know, good spirited. She had a great sense of humor. <laughs> she was athletic. She liked movies. She liked good conversation. And she told everybody she wanted to go out. Nobody ever did. And after listening, and this ties back to referrals, helping people get clarity on how to help you get referrals. I said to her after about eight of these laments, I said, okay, let me give you a strategy. When you go back from lunch, tell everybody you see for the next two days, I just had lunch with somebody. He made a point. I ask you to find me somebody quality to date and nobody can, but I haven't helped you understand who they are, where they are, why they are. And then I said, tell them, say, uh, what I want is a man 35 to 50. Uh, you would know him from some degree of background. He would be good looking, not have to be too handsome, doesn't smoke. He can drink uh, socially, but not heavily, uh, reasonably 
athletic, but not fanatical. Maybe he was <laughs> married and he's divorced, but you know that it wasn't just his fault. You know his character. He might be somebody you live next to in your apartment, at work, in your in your company. And, and we painted a picture of who they were, why they were, where they were. And the next time she had lunch with me, she said, I can't believe it. I had eight dates that next week because I helped her help other people generate. One of the things we tell people for our clients sometimes and referral generation is just one of many, 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 many. But we say when you're talking to an active client and you want to get them to refer, you say, look, we're on a mission, but you're on a crusade almost because we have a service and a product we think makes a profound impact in people's lives. And we want to help everybody we can and impact everybody and enrich or protect or whatever, entertain, depending on what your product does. But all the money we could spend, we can't find them all. We don't know who they all are. And we ask and we hope that our loyal and valued clients like you once, if, and after we've performed and over-delivered, and you know with certainty the quality of, of relationship and fulfillment and service we give you, that you would feel good telling like-minded people who you feel would benefit to at least check us out, call, come in, see what we've got, get our, our best reason perspective. And, and by helping people help you, you can profoundly increase the results you get. I'm just giving you, I mean, I've got 125 ways to do it, but that's an easy one. That, that's great. Do you have your 125? Is that in the book too? It, we, had, we have a course that we, I don't sell much anymore, but we did about a four-day course on all of them where I explained all the things and we talked about how to do it. And it, it exists. I mean, I'm not, I don't really aggressively promote it, but it does exist. We could, you know, we could make it available to your people. Yeah, real. let's make it available to our people. That'd be great. Because here's why, <laughs> this is a financial show. Like, what does this have to do with your wallet? Well, I think everything. Roland will have him on talking about owning businesses because I think boomer owned businesses is a, is a great business opportunity because their kids really don't want the business. They're able to get some money on an exit and hopefully you're able to have a money-making opportunity. So I love that theory. And I love the theory of making people's businesses better because you get people, um, we help people with their money at what I do kind of during the week. And people are struggling. They're looking for ways to grow their business. Referrals are a great way with, with really very little out of pocket. So it's always good to hear from a business master like you, uh, ways to extract more value out of what people are currently earning. It, well, I mean, the, the, they'll give you a really interesting perspective that has driven me for many years. There's this big mantra out there about getting a 10x moonshot uh, growth. And it's it's a cool concept, but there's a fallacy in it. And the fallacy in it is that in order to do it, you got to find the right experts, very expensive, you got to work together, got to figure what you're it's usually technological, AI driven, you got to figure what it's going to be, you got to get the right APIs, it takes longer, costs more. Uh, when it's finally done, uh, it usually doesn't execute quite the way you want. You got to spend a lot of time course correcting and refining it. It's got to be funded, and that takes either cash flow a diversion, or you got to borrow, or you got to dilute by giving people equity in your business. And uh, I think long term it's good, but we teach a 10x bottom line moonshot, which is getting 10 times more profit from your business with no investment or risk. And there's lots of ways to do it. I mean, I just gave you one. Uh, I'm going to give you the other spectrum because fun. I mean, we've done 
myself or my clients billions of dollars finding other people in other businesses or influential places that already had access to the market we wanted and getting them to partner with us. I talk about the fact selling programs. I did a quarter billion dollars, $250 million of seminars when I was younger. I just tired of it. I put up a total of $300,000 over the whole period in fixed money. I got Tony Robbins to promote me. I got Success Magazine to promote me. I got Entrepreneur Magazine to promote me. I got 40 different newsletters to promote me. I got uh, the in-flights to promote me when we had in-flight magazines. I got five other seminar companies to promote me. That and, and we just gave them a share. I also had, I was massively significant in China, in Japan, in Singapore, in Vietnam, in the UK, because I found partners there and I didn't have one penny invested, but we made millions. The data is really interesting. I'll tell you a story that I always loved and it's it's the denominator of this. It's an old story, but it's fun, Josh. Supposedly somebody wanted to borrow years ago, $100,000 from Baron Rothschild. And uh, he refused to give it to the man, but he countered with something really, really uh, interesting. He said, I'll do something infinitely better. I will walk arm in arm with you two times across the stock exchange. Uh, I think he was in uh, London, so the London Stock Exchange. And when I'm done, everybody will lend you all the money you want. When you find people that already have the hard won trust, credibility, direct access to the market you want, and you get them to basically provide you with what you want, you can basically double, redouble, redouble again. I have many stories about that, and I'll be happy to tell you, but probably the funnest one is many years ago when I used to do seminars around the world, which I did, I used to go to uh, China and all over Asia, Japan and everywhere. And the first time I was in China, when we all had good relation and before COVID, a young man came to the mic at the end. Uh, we always had Q&A and he said, Jay, what do you do if you're too small and the bank won't lend you money to grow? And I said, tell me more. He goes, I'm a small local motorcycle manufacturer. Now, Josh, only in China where you might have a 100 million person city, would you be a small, quote, local motorcycle manufacturer? But to go on, he said, if I had money, I'd go all over Asia. I'd, I'd open a factory. I'd, I'd put salespeople in all the countries. I'd, I'd recruit dealers and I'd, I'd make it and sell motorcycles everywhere. And I said, OK, so what's the problem? And the kid got very, he was only about 22. He was very frustrated. And I said, he said, I told you they won't give me money. And I said, you don't need money. Your problem is always the solution to somebody else's bigger problem or underperforming or underrealized opportunity. You just have to figure out who they are, what it is, and figure out how to collaborate so they get what they now realize they want. And I said, go all over Asia and find somebody in a complementary, not competitive business that has a large manufacturing facility underutilized, already has representation, and make a deal with them. And that took me about 10 minutes. 15 months later, I did another seminar. The kid comes, he's not a kid now, he's, again, he's a young adult. He comes to the mic and he goes, I did what you said and I didn't remember, but I said, what did you do? He said, I went all over Asia when I got to Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. I found Asia's largest lawnmower manufacturer. Nice man. He had a huge factory underutilizing the second shift. He had offices in 10 countries. He had tons of salespeople. He had 
uh, thousands of dealers. We made a deal where I had to bring the tools and the dies. And if you don't know what that is, everybody, those are the, for the metal forms that are used to make parts and assemblies that combine to make a, a product. He said, I had to teach him how to do that. I had to teach the salespeople how to recruit the lawnmower uh, dealers. And I had to teach the dealers how to do it. But he said, in our first full year together in operation, we both made $20 million. I have many, many, many stories like that. But I mean, it's thinking differently about everything. And you can make everything a company does if you own one or if you get control of one. Or if you're definitely, if you're looking at investing in one before you put money out, you should make sure that they know how to optimize the performance of their revenue system, Josh. What other tips do you have along this line? This is exciting. Well, Jesus, I mean, yeah, well, I'll give you, I'll give you the easiest lesson. Well, you have 97 and 125, so I guess park on a couple more. Huh. Yeah, okay. Well, probably the most powerful thing I've known for is, is the three ways to grow a business. It's a pretty profound way to use the power of geometry to blow up any business. So here's the concept. Most people, when they think about growing a business, they think about adding more, more buyers. So the cost of acquiring a client or a customer or a patient is very, very high. But the cost of getting them to buy something ethically, more, larger, larger unit, larger combination at the point of sale costs nothing. The cost of getting them to come back more often if you have some other things to buy or if it's a repetitive product or service is, is nothing. Most people don't look at how much more you can get out of focusing on that. And if you have nothing else to sell them, you have a trusted relationship. You can partner with lots of other people, put many more products through your system and double, redouble, redouble again the profit. We have a, and, and I don't have a slide even to show you, it's in the book, but here's the simple one. We have a slide example. If you had a company that had 1,000 buyers and each of them bought a $100 unit of purchase every time they did a transaction and the average came two times a year, most people don't know any of that data, that's a $200,000 business, 1,000 people buying $100 slice. If you only increase those three categories, Josh, by 10%, Meaning a thousand became eleven hundred buyers, a hundred dollars of sale became one hundred and ten, and the two times became just two point two, two tenths of one more sale. It's not ten percent. It becomes thirty three and a third percent, which could be massively more profit. I won't go through the whole example, but if you double those numbers, if a thousand became two thousand, if a hundred became two hundred dollars, if two became four, it's not double, it's 800%. And that's massively more profitable. So it's working on the geometry of a business. Then we have another concept, which was, and these are all some of my famous ones, if you want to talk about that. It's called the Power Parthenon of Geometric Business Growth. And it's, it's based on militaristic science. So most companies, Josh, get almost all their revenue from one revenue source. No matter what it is, it can be word of mouth, it can be a sales force. It's very precarious. If anything goes wrong with that, your business can be in total jeopardy. We try to get people building a eight or nine pillar. I've got a graphic on it. You can't see it. Anyway. It's in the book. A nine pillar multiple source that gives you access to far more 
Follow our markets. Each one is a profit center. Each one is 10%, 10%, 10%. And it gives you hundreds of percent more growth. If you if you sell anything, well, I'm a master of variability. You can change uh, if you have an ad or you have a landing page, you can change the headline and get as much as five times more yield from just that one facet. You can change the way you position it and get another 50% more. You can change the way you prove your case. Endorsements, testimonials, data analysis, and get another 50 to 100%. You can change how you add a bonus and double again. That's just on selling. You can change the the subject line in an email and get two, three times the open and response. You can change the call to action. We tested one time, this is pretty mind blowing, 33 different ways of greeting somebody at the front door of a large furniture chain and one of them tripled conversion. Three times more people for no more expense, no more ads, no more leads, three times more sales and it gets even better. The average sale was higher by 20%, and the repeat purchase was higher. Everyone asks, well, can I help you? And the natural default is, no, I'm just looking. And then you've lost total control of the transaction. But by the way, you could change a price. We've seen one price change five times increase or decrease the response. And nobody knows to do that. But each of these separately, and I'll give you a couple of soft ones too, which are hilarious. But, but when you do this, it is profound what it can do to the bottom line. There are soft skills. People don't understand that there are soft skills you can master. For example, Stephen M. R. Covey, the son of Stephen Covey, the one of the seven habits. Stephen M. R. is the world authority on business trust building, corporate trust building. He's done research that there are 13 characteristics, Josh, that if you manifest them. And if you really personify and you really evidence those, your results will go up up to 300%, 300% larger sales, 300% more resales, 300% faster uh, sales cycle close. But everyone thinks they're, you know, they're really uh, as trustworthy as can be. There's another expert, Roger Love, on strategic communication, how you are heard, tonality, inflection, pause, Again, up to 300% increase separately, another 300%. There's another woman, and she's got a funny name, Sally Hogshead, real name. And she's done research on how you are seen, how fascinating, how distinctive, how authoritative, how commanding. And no one thinks about any of that. In selling, I mean, almost everybody that has a sales force, if you ask them, Josh, do you train your salespeople? They all say, sure, I train my salespeople. But the answer to the question they are giving is not the question you're asking. What you're asking is, do you teach your salespeople consultative advisory selling, which can increase their performance 50 to 100%? They are answering a question, do you teach your salespeople product knowledge? It's totally different. And all of these, these are just a few of multiple ways you can blow past everybody else. You can take a marginal business, make it very profitable. You can make a profitable business, make it outrageously profitable. And you can do most of it. I mean, well, I said, we've got probably a hundred billion dollars now. That that mantra of the 21, that was somebody somebody gave me. <laughs> well, wait, the, well, real quick before you get that, it was Sally Hogshead on fascination 
Stephen M. R. Covey on uh, trust. trust. Roger Love on uh, on strategic communication. What really fun people. I've said just a few of them. You know, there's another person that's a, a master. His name is Nick Sonnenberg. He's in New York. He's a master of operational efficiency. He can give you five hours a day. I was going to a week that you could repurpose for higher yield. There's a guy named Dr. Alan Bernard, the world authority on theory of constraint. He can show you how to find the one bottleneck that can transform a, a business rather than trying to work on 9 million different things. I mean, there's so much. And, and maybe if I give you one more piece of the puzzle before I leave, that it might help your audience get excited, not about me, but about what's possible. And, wait, and who was real quick, the operational efficiency guy? What was that? Yeah, his name is Nick Sonnenberg. Nick Sonnenberg. Got a lot of books to read after today. Yeah, and you got great books. And maybe people are worth interviewing because they're much more lucid than I, because I'm a poster boy for adult attention deficit. But here's the thing that I learned. Let me tell you how I got into what I do, because that may tell you why what I do is so powerful. I got married the first time we were talking. You have seven children. I have seven children. Uh, yours are from one wife, mine are from three. And I'm not saying it's probably, but I got married the first time at 18. I would not recommend it. I had two kids at 20, would not recommend it. Uh, and I had the need of somebody 40 and nobody cared. And the only persons who would give me a chance were not salaried businesses. They were very interesting entrepreneurs who would let you eat what you kill. Literally, you got paid for whatever you delivered, you know, share, commission, so much a sale, so much a, a distribution channel you open, whatever it was. And they didn't care if you spent a minute or you spend uh, 24 hours. So I would almost always do five or six things concurrently at the same time, never in the same industry. And I realized that people in one industry, Josh, don't have a clue how people in other industries think, act, transact, and that you could take very simplistic methodology from one industry, translate it, introduce it to an industry that had never been exposed to it. And it was it was profound. I mean, I came from the mail order industry. This is many years ago. I knew testing. I knew variability. I knew lifetime value. I knew what's called allowable cost, which is like the ICOD story. I knew bonusing. I knew risk reversal. Nobody else did it. I, get, I applied it to companies and they all blew up. And But if you think about where breakthroughs really come from, this might be the epilogue here. They don't come from inside often. They come from outside in things like, I mean, uh, the telecommunication business, cell, cell phones, it was all transformed by fiber optics. However, fiber optics was not created for telecommunication. It was created literally for aerospace and borrowed. FedEx, as a really profound example, they use the hub and spoke check clearing system that the Federal Reserve Bank, Josh, uses to clear checks at 9 a.m. rather than having to have people bounce checks and not know about it till the end of the day. And, and Fred Smith just borrowed it, applied it, and the whole industry was created. Uh, Viagra came from heart medicine. Rogaine came from pimple medicine. Ballpoint pen, a roll-on deodorant. One of them borrowed a mechanism from the other. The most successful baby buggy, it does 400 million up manufacture, uses the collapsible gear that an airplane uses. And so breakthroughs come from outside and thinking comes from outside. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, if you think about it, even in your industry, whatever industry you're in, there's the concept of best practices. And I'm going to challenge it for you and I'll polarize a little bit. I think best practices has a flaw. If you are the first 
company person in your field to learn the best practice. You have a short-term window of advantage. However, as soon as everybody learns that it's not best practice, it becomes standard operating procedure. And, and all you can do, if you do the same thing everyone else does a little bit better, you're going to get an incremental gain as opposed to doing things nobody does where you get exponential gain. We teach people how to be an exponential entrepreneur and always operate in what's called the exponential zone, not the incremental zone. And I'll take a deep breath. I didn't mean to go on a roll, but I hope it had value. No, wonderful. It's got me thinking some of your strategies rely on data-driven strategies. Yeah. What about companies that are really, you know, small, that don't have enough money, for these, you know, $2 million Salesforce packages to learn how to data sure. mine. It's yeah, the easiest thing to do is we have a we have a course we used to sell, and it was called, I'm not I'm not introducing it to sell it, I'm introducing it just to use it as a reference. It was called the Unlimited Business Checkbook, and it was designed for smaller businesses who thought they were uh, resource impaired. Somebody else always has what you need. You need a sales force, find somebody that has salespeople calling on your, your market, not competitive partner with them. You need advertising, you can't afford it, find a way to give away the, the majority of the first sale if you have a repeat sale to ad media. You need technology that you can't afford, you need somebody to do stuff, figure a way to correlate it to either savings or increase profit and pay them on some kind of a performance. There's 9 million ways, literally, to overcome a small business, seeming it was a lack of that. One time we had, and I can even show you how to overcome legal impairments. One time we had two professionals, a trust and estate lawyer in Los Angeles and an ophthalmic surgeon in Los Angeles that came to one of my seminars and they wanted very badly to try to do some kind of a joint venture. But legally sharing revenue is not only unethical, it's illegal. A doctor can't share revenue with an attorney. Attorney can't share revenue with the doctor. It's illegal. But all we did was a semantic switch. We said, okay, why don't you just introduce your patients and your clients to one another and just do a reciprocal. They did, and they both made an extra 200 grand just for doing it, and they were totally ethically compliant. There's just a million ways to do it. I'll give you another example, uh, and it's sort of cool. This is a, a little big example. Everybody knows what Carnival Cruise is, but I knew the man that worked for them in the beginning, and in the beginning, the guy was not supposedly, and my guy worked there, so I'm taking him at face value. It was supposedly not that prosperous. Now they have five brands or billions of dollars around the world, but they had one supposed secondhand boat. They couldn't even afford to paint on both sides. They had to bring it in on the painted side so it looked good. And it went out every week half empty, 400 unused rooms. And my friend was very astute. They didn't have marketing money. He said, let's take that. $400,000, 400 rooms at $1,000 a week, and let's use it as, as currency. Let's go to radio, television, media sources, magazines, newspapers, and trade them credit to use on our, on our cruises for advertising. But there was a problem. He said, if we trade immediately and they use it, we're not going to get any benefit because we're going we're gonna to utilize all our capacity for the no-cash trade. So they gave the radio, TV, media Three to I don't know three or five years time to use the credits, but Carnival used their credits right away to get cash people coming in, 
And they also knew that the time value of money, meaning $1,000 in five years is less than $1,000 today. So they actually discounted it. And finally, they charged people when they came $100 surcharge to, you know, to register. And that paid for the housekeeping, the buffet. But one more distinction, you talk about data, they saw that every time somebody used it, almost always they would bring a paying either more family member, friend and spouse, and they got more cash even when they redeemed it. So and they went and they used that to blow up. Really wonderfully inspiring, true worldwide nonlinear stories to inspire people to not think that they are stuck. We have a book we wrote years ago. It's called The Sticking Point Solution, The Nine Ways Most People Get Stuck and How to Get Unstuck. And one of the premises was that you can have a successful business outperforming your industry and think you're pretty darn cool when in fact you are accepting a fraction of a fraction of what the time, the opportunity, the access to the market, the leads, the buyers, salespeople, brand uh, could be, be really producing and you're successfully stuck and don't even know it. This all ties back to getting control of businesses that you can blow up very easily and very safely without any real investment or risk just by doing a lot of things differently. Wow. Anyhow. <laughs> this was great. Well, I want to thank you for joining us, Jay Abraham. Get the book. Is it Business Wealth Without yes, Risk? Yeah, that's the book, Business Wealth Without Risk. And I do lots of private work. If there's anyone large enough, they can reach me at my j at abraham.com and I, i'll give you some things you can put up to give to your audience and you can put them on your website so i don't even need to get their names or anything because we we deal with larger operating businesses but i have i've helped a lot of smaller entrepreneurs and uh you know smbs over my career and, and uh, the entrepreneur needs a lot of they need a champion and advocate to, to care deeply about it because it can be lonely and it can be very intimidating. But I'll give you some really cool things you can freely gift and put on your website. Thank you so much, Jay Abraham. Get the book, Business Wealth Without Risk. And want to thank you for a very enlightening interview. You can get the book on abraham.com or amazon.com. Yeah, well, you can get me at abraham.com, just jay at abraham.com. You go to Amazon and the book's 447 pages and it's i think 20 dollars in hardbound we priced it so it's inordinately appealing i think you can get the digital for a dollar or something it, we, we wrote the book to help everybody get inspired but to find deal flow our, for ourselves businesses we could buy businesses we could help and so it's really an enlightening and inspiring and an and a intoxicating and a invigorating read that will really it give you a sense of how much more is possible and even if you don't do it, it gets your mind expanded so you see life, business in a whole more enhanced and, and dimensionalized perspective. Thank you very much. Thanks. It's been a fun interview. Business Wealth Without Risk, Jay Abraham.